amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. This is the Human Condition MD with Dr. Madeira Mera right here on iHeartRadio. Don't forget about the website, humanconditionmd.com. That's humanconditionmd.com. Great website, a lot of great information about the show, about the doctor. Also great opportunity uh, to submit questions or topics you'd like discussed on the program. Again, that website, humanconditionmd.com. Joining us this morning, as she does each and every week, the doctor, Dr. Madeira Mera. Doctor, how you doing this morning? I'm doing amazing. Today is a big day. I know it is election day 2020. This will be historic. And I don't know if it was my phone's Freudian slip or what happened last (laughs) night when I texted you and it said ejection day. And then I I had to autocorrect it. And we both had this awkward moment of wait, is that something we want? Or did my phone just make a mistake? But yeah, big day here in America exciting day and we will see where the chips fall either like you said tonight or months from now depending yeah. <laughs> on how things play out <laughs> and i think for a lot of us we're like i'm so ready for this to be over and we're actually going to talk a little bit later on the fast five ways to cope and because of the uniqueness of this election and, and because of some of the questions that have been raised we may need this coping stuff more than ever just because I don't know. I, I, I'll, uh, my personal opinion is we're not going to know tonight, and I don't know how soon we're going to know, but definitely some great advice for kind of dealing with and coping with the election. We'll also talk this morning about uh, about um, ways uh, that uh, that are being tested with COVID and some new testing available and some rapid testing that may be coming out, some early trials for a new test for coronavirus. We'll get the details from the doctor on that. Also, you've heard sure. a lot about with COVID. You've heard a lot about telehealth and some of the great uh, benefits of it, a really cool thing. We'll talk not only about telehealth, but also there's two sides to that conversation. We're not always on our best behavior with telehealth. We'll find out what's going on with that. Uh, First, though, uh, a a very, very sad, uh, a very, very sad passing this week. Of course, Sean Connery, who played uh, James Bond, passed away struggled with dementia and I don't know that a lot of folks were were fully aware of of what exactly and how how serious his his degree was obviously lost his life let's talk real quick Sean Connery I'm not a 007 fan per se I, I'm not a hater but I wasn't it's <laughs> not my thing but uh real quick uh Sean Connery uh obviously this this ties perfectly in with kind of what we talk about here on the show let's talk a little bit about Sean Connery doctor Oh, my friend, my my grandmother, my mother, so many women around the world felt this when this was announced this weekend <laughs> yeah. that unfortunately, like you said, the very first original James Bond, Sean Connery, uh, unfortunately passed at age 90. So he lived a full life in the Bahamas. But his wife has come out and said uh, his last few months were really, really bad dementia. And it got to the point where he could not even express himself and for, for, of course, Sean Connery, that was no way to live. Uh, so we, of course, take this moment to send him and the family our love, our prayers, condolences, and also to, as always, remind the public and people, what is dementia? You know, and a lot of people think, you know, when you get old, you forget things and memory gets worse and we all have those senior moments. And while some of that is true, we have to just keep in mind 
dementia is not normal, mm. right? Dementia and then having a few senior moments here and there, very different things. Dementia is going to be a group of conditions where your memory is so impaired or your judgment is so impaired, uh, or for example, things like Alzheimer's that generally, again, in older people, but it's so debilitating that you cannot function, right? And about 50 million people uh, have dementia, so it is not a, a small amount of people. Uh, and this is a growing number since, of course, we have an aging population. In the early stages, if you're thinking about yourself or a loved one and you're noticing forgetfulness, people are becoming disoriented, you know, maybe they can't remember how to get home from the grocery store and you've always known that or your loved one has always known that, uh, behaviors that are not normal. So if someone was very particular about their personal hygiene, but you notice uh, is not showering, is not brushing, maybe has disheveled looking clothing, and that seems very off to you, these can be initial stages also. But also remembering that in the final stages, uh, it's going to be a lot more than just the memory. It's more about the functioning. A person will be unable to express themselves, may have difficulty walking, recognizing friends and family. And so it becomes a much more debilitating thing than just a memory issue. And so, again, in uh, James Bond or Mr. Connery's death, we, of course, want to remember that that's not who we knew on the silver screen, but he, at age 90, eventually succumbed to this. And so, like we always say in medicine, that knowledge is power. So if you start noticing these signs and symptoms or if you have a family history of it, uh, the amount of emerging research and data is incredible. And I know we talk about it at least every couple months here. So talk to your physician and say, hey, I'm, I'm a little bit curious here. You know, is this just a senior moment or is this something I need to think about and uh, consider my treatment options? And doctor, something you mentioned there, I don't know that a lot of us, and I hope people caught that, is that's it's an important thing to point out is I think we assume that as we age that, that you know, we're going to lose some of some memory. And you pointed out, um, early on there that that you know things like dementia and some of these some of these signs these are uh, not a normal part of aging correct and we all do that I mean oh goodness I can tell you my memory is not what it was from 15 years ago <laughs> uh, whether forming new memories or sometimes just the loss of a word mm -hmm. right oh what was that word and it would be a common word or or you know we're thinking of someone's name we can't remember it off the tip of our tongue that is normal mm -hmm. that that happens maybe the synapses aren't as connected aren't as sharp and you know just aging that's normal but if suddenly you t say to yourself I've taken this one road home from work every day but I'm lost or, you know, you'll often hear of an elderly person that walked out of their house and then was found blocks away. That's not normal. If you see someone looking disheveled and normally they're, you know, prim and proper and have their hair combed and everything looks perfect, but suddenly you're saying, this doesn't look right. You know, so signs and symptoms of basically now functional impairments, more than just, I can't remember someone's name, right? Or they look at you, you know, obviously in moderate to advanced stages, uh, a person may not recognize you, right? And we're talking about not recognizing family and friends, and it, it's heartbreaking on both sides. Uh, I know the the movie The Notebook, of course, made this very uh, popular, mm -hmm. right? Because if anyone out there has seen that movie, there was moments where the sweet old lady just could not remember who this old guy was telling her the story. And he was telling her her own love story, but she couldn't remember that. And so the movie actually does a very good job kind of portraying the heartbreak behind it as well. And one of the things, too, is as we talk about dementia, I think sometimes people use dementia and Alzheimer's interchangeably. And and 
correct me if I'm wrong. Dementia is kind of Alzheimer's is a form of dementia. Dementia is kind of is not a specific disease or, or, or impairment. It's kind of the it's kind of a category of, of conditions. Correct. Exactly. So you hit the nail on the head there. So dementia is a constellation of all these little things. And Alzheimer's is one of those things, but it doesn't go the other way around. Mm -hmm. And so, again, we don't expect every all of our listeners to be physicians overnight and you don't have to depend on Dr. Google. Alzheimer's is the most common type of dementia, but it is a very specific type. Um, and of course, you can have early onset, you know, late onset, rapidly progressing, uh, those kinds of things. So it often is used in, used interchangeably uh, because Alzheimer's affects, again, very specific parts of the brain. And this accounts for 60 to 80 percent of the dementia cases, but not all dementias are Alzheimer's. Really, so you are correct. Really good perspective, as always, talking, of course, with Dr. Madeira Mero. This is The Human Condition with Dr. Mero right here on iHeartRadio. Don't forget, if you've got something you'd like us to talk about, love to hear from you. Get to the website, humanconditionmd.com. That's humanconditionmd.com. From the website, you can, of course, submit a question. Also learn more about the doctor as well. And, Doc, speaking of websites, telemedicine. It's a very, very popular option for folks, especially right now living in the COVID world that we're in. I know you've been doing quite a bit when it comes to virtual visits um there was uh, one of the uh one of the uh the publications that as a doctor you uh you subscribe to and something you read about is um share some stories and, and some some perspective from the doctor's side of telemedicine and telehealth um tweeting texting smoking during vi virtual visits <laughs> is this is real this have you first off have you without violating any patient doctor or anything <laughs> have you seen anything like this yet or are you just heard so far I, I have to admit uh i've seen a lot okay. and i've heard a lot <laughs> okay. and the most common thing i see in here during some of these televisits is when people don't realize they are connected okay. uh, <laughs> patients don't realize that and so I, I try to take that with a grain of salt. Uh, things are said, you know, either about me not knowing who the physician coming on is or, or they're still finishing up, you know, their tasks or their conversation with <laughs> with someone. And so I get to I get to hear, unfortunately, some of that. And and some of the distractions, I guess, is normal. Right. I mean, I have to admit, even the maybe 10 minutes we've been connected. I've mm. already had a couple sips in my tea. Two people have texted me. I consider those normal distractions that are impossible to almost shut off. Sure. But I have to say this article broke my heart in so many ways because in one way it was great. It said over 44% of Americans have had a telehealth appointment. Like you said, normal COVID, great way to connect, be able to talk to your physician. But many patients are distracted. And the distractions were, like you said, web surfing, checking email, 24% came in at texting watching the news or a movie <laughs> like <laughs> wait you're watching a movie and i'm trying to like help your life but here's the shockers to me the eating the drinking playing video games and even smoking what and by drinking i mean the quarantini i mean <sighs> drinking alcoholic beverages i mean oh. smoking nine to eleven percent couldn't put down the cigarette now i will tell you i haven't seen this on my ha on my behalf but not every visit uh is visual so uh, pretty remarkable. And I would tell you, we're losing the battle here <laughs> if you're uh, drinking alcohol and smoking during a televisit uh, for many reasons. Yeah. <laughs> so many obvious reasons I don't have to expand on. But I would say my, my advice as a physician mm -hmm. is if you are on a telemedicine visit, uh, usually these are not super long visits, you know, maybe t 15 minutes, maybe a half hour. Of course, if it's a complex issue, it may be even longer. But 
really try to be fully engaged, put down the tweeting, texting, smoking, drinking, have the kids in a separate room, uh, do your best because that way you're optimizing the visit, forget the respect to the physician, but just on your behalf, you're going to optimize the visit. You're going to get the most out of it. You're going to be able to hear and understand and express what's happening. And at the end of the day, if you really are distracted and you can't put some of these distractions away, mention that to me, mention that to your doctor. Cause we've got things to talk about. <laughs> yeah, there, may, there may be. And, and that includes, by the way, the inability to put down a, the social media and that kind of stuff is that is also, if, if you can't make that kind of time, there may be, you know, I think a lot of times we think, Oh, things like addiction when it comes to smoking or drinking, which are, are definitely can be a concern. But even if you're unable to, to step away from that, from that social media feed, that's important. It's interesting too, doctor, when you, when, when you brought this up, I think of when I go visit my primary, care doctor there's actually a sign in the clinic that says no tweeting no social media please be courteous <laughs> of our time and I, I remember seeing that thinking why would that be i mean like who thinks that way but apparently there are there are people that not only do it apparently in the in the clinic but apparently quite a few people are doing it as well during virtual visits um let's can i real quick as we talk about virtual visits um for yeah. people who who haven't experienced one these are they're, they're such a great resource, and it, it, I, I'll be honest, I was kind of disappointed that that people weren't using them or treating them as, as such a. It, it's they are an amazing technology and an amazing use mm -hmm. of technology for really a, a really good opportunity to get to get treated for ailments. I was a little disappointed when I saw this stuff. I mean, it's it's shocking, but we're human and we're all distracted. And I think in person we can enforce this, right? How your physician had to sign up. And uh, I've walked into rooms where patients continue to be on the phone while I sit there and wait for them. <laughs> and I've politely said, I will come back when you're finished because, you know, this is, this is inappropriate and uh, not efficient. And unfortunately, it makes it hard because the cell phone's always in our hand. I've had patients check their smartwatch, their Apple watch every six seconds during an oh. exam because, you know, someone's texting them or work is happening or the stock market or the headlines. And that's another distraction. And so, you know, the movie theater will announce, please no texting during the movie, not only for yourself, but not to distract others. I have to throw my husband under the bus for a second here. It reminds me a little bit of this past Sunday, football Sunday, of yeah. course. And as I mentioned on the show before, I love him very much. We're about to celebrate our five-year anniversary, nice. which is amazing. But he is a Steelers fan, and the Steelers played the Ravens this past Sunday, and it was a heated match. And anyone that follows the NFL knows that's a huge rivalry. So at one point, I made the mistake uh -oh. <laughs> of, of course, having a conversation with him about something. <laughs> uh, about halfway through the game. And it was very like Homer Simpson-esque how he was looking at me and his head slowly would make its way back towards the television. And I would say, hey, we're talking. And then he'd snap back and say, sorry, 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 I'm listening. And then slowly his head would <laughs> go back. And then after the second time, rather than getting upset, I said, you know what? Let's do this at a time maybe where there's less distractions. So, uh Yes, I love you, husband, but same for my patients. I love all of you, but make sure you're doing it at a time where you're not distracted. You don't have a, a Zoom phone call. You don't have to take care of your kids. Uh, you don't have to take a smoking break. So do it at a time when you can take advantage of this great technology, make the most of the doctor's time, most of your time, and uh, 
that's it. <laughs> that's well. That's such a great perspective because I, that's something I hadn't thought of too. Is as as you kind of illustrate kind of a the, the, kind of an experience I think a lot of us have had, which is trying to talk with somebody who may be distracted. I think sometimes yeah. because of the convenience of telehealth that we that we tend to we tend not to treat it as. Um, block it off time-wise as we would like a regular appointment. It is a regular appointment. And it was interesting yeah. when you're talking there, say, yeah, people need to, we need to remember that that is a doctor visit. That is a doctor, a doctor's appointment. And, and we need to block off the time to be distraction-free during that time. Now, I will say too, yes. I, I know what my wife would do is, 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 as I get distracted watching the Packers and she would say, mm-hmm. hey, honey, I put some things in the uh, Amazon cart. Is it okay if I buy it? And I'd be like, yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying yeah. is your wife has figured out the code. <laughs> she, the cheat. It's yeah. a life hack, it sounds like. So if you want something from your loved one and they're distracted, that's the time to ask. <laughs> <laughs> She's a, you said you liked those curtains. I asked you on Sunday. I said, oh, all right. <laughs> Tell her thank you. I will use that next Sunday. <laughs> definitely. Talking with Dr. Himadir. Mara, this is the Human Condition MD with Dr. Mara on iHeartRadio. Uh, doctor, of course, we're talking about telehealth, and of course, it was something that was around before COVID, but certainly with COVID, it's it's certainly come on to its own, and it's definitely an important tool. Um, one of the frustrations, I think, for folks with COVID, and I think uh, whether it's uh, just us folks or doctors as well, has been um, the ability to get rapid uh, results for tests. And I think a lot of us have had that nasal swab, and you, whether it's mm-hmm. at your doctor's office, Office and that takes a few hours, or if it's through one of the one of the uh, drive-up things, which can take a couple of days. In some cases, I've heard of taking up to a week. People are really mm-hmm. clamoring to get a, a new test or some type of test that can get us results. And it sounds like um, there is a a new uh, product. And I wonder now if my son had this one that uh, that's out there about um, a test that can do rapid identification of the disease. What are we finding out there? So what we're seeing is there's a a test that's being developed, a breath test, so breath test, so even less invasive than, for example, a nasal swab, which I know a lot of people fear, and there's really nothing to fear. We've talked about that before, but imagine just being able to do a breath test. Um, They're developing this in the whales, and they recently published some data in the Lancet uh, following some trials in Scotland and Germany. But basically, the breath test could distinguish COVID-19 from other chest infections almost immediately. Mm. So this is what's so exciting is that you don't have to wait hours, days, potentially weeks later for an accurate test. Uh, some of the initial data was promising. It looked like in 80 plus percent of the cases they were able to accurately predict if a patient had COVID-19, again, distinguishing from asthma, other bacterial pneumonias, um, and the predictive power of this and the rapidness of this is what makes this so exciting. Because think about how you could use this, not just for everyday people, but in large environments. We were just talking about football games. You know, right now they're at Uh, what are they at 25% capacity or something think about flying you could use this in aviation you could use this in of course hospital healthcare systems um schools I know schools have been a a hot source of topic and over 60,000 children were infected just last week which is a new record number but imagine being able to test people so rapidly and have a result now what needs to be perfected here is two things a 80% sounds good but is not great, mm-hmm. right? What do we do with that 20% margin of error? The second thing is, it's great to have this technology, but we need to be able to implement it on a massive scale. So just being like having a few in the country or a few here and there is not super helpful, but if you can 
reproduce this and have this available mass production, that's where it makes a huge impact and where you can see, you know, COVID infection numbers fall because you can literally uh, accurately quarantine people that may be asymptomatic or people that you don't know if you have the flu or COVID or if you are having an asthma attack or COVID. Interesting. I think I told you this. So my, with, with my son, he had, uh, to yeah, get, out, get out yeah. of school. Yeah, he had he had told they just said, "Oh, I got a sore throat," and of course, for good reason, <laughs> the school yeah. nurse did not take that lightly and sent him home. Perfect. That makes sense. So of course, mm-hmm. he's uh, he's like, "Dad, I didn't really have a sore throat. I just wanted to get out of school." And I said, "He still got to sure. take the test." So he went to his doctor. He got the nasal swab, and they had something similar. And I don't know if I ever sent you the results, and I should just mm-hmm. to have you if you know what these things are. But apparently, nasal swab. But he also said, "Dad, I had to breathe into a bag. They had me blow into it." Tube that filled the bag and I amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals from courses to help you attain or retain certification to individualized coaching services to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen management concepts optimizes your professional development online in person individually or groups it's training that's measurably better Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I wonder if there's some other types of ways they're you know, doing some research. Yeah. And I know we got results from both of them. Both came back negative. But uh, that's it's it's interesting. And you mentioned the the speed of, of the potential, you know, talking about seconds is that would be that would potentially be one of those game changers with uh, with COVID, something we've been looking for. Speaking of, by the way, as, as we talk about, and and uh, we don't talk much politics on the show, we talk mm-hmm. about medicine, but politics, of course, with uh, the election, those kind of things do come into play. Uh, what's interesting is Dr. Fauci. I think for a lot of Americans, yes. I think uh, a kind of a, a voice of reason, a voice of guidance, a voice of trust. Mm-hmm. Um, there are questions about Will Dr. Fauci be around after the election? And and I think sometimes that uh, that sometimes people wonder about when it comes to elections. The online elections have consequences. Um, do we end up losing Dr. Fauci? Does the president say I'm, I'm going a different direction on this? Real quick for people who don't know, Dr. Fauci is and and, and speak to this. I think Dr. from from the medical side of things, we need to get into the politics of it all. But mm-hmm. Dr. Fauci is a is a is a lifelong scientist, very respected uh, uh, scientific scientific mind, and very respected doctor. Yes, I mean unquestionably and undeniably, just in the United States, he is the top leading infectious disease specialist, um, which in itself speaks, I think, (laughs) to itself, right? I mean, if you're the top in the country, you're a voice that is, like you said, of reason. You're a voice that is trusted. Uh, Not only does he, is he working at the NIH, uh, which is, of course, down the street from me in D.C., but uh, he has worked with multiple administrations, not just the Trump administration. 
He has gotten us through different infectious disease, immunologic, um, epidemics in the past, uh, very revered and loved, as you said, not just by the medical community, but by the public. I mean, he's really looked at as, as this voice of what he says to be true, you know? Uh, and so, of course, it does not come as a surprise now that after, I would say, months, right, of, of, doc, of Dr. Fauci and President Trump perhaps butting heads publicly, yeah. which was pretty evident to, to most of the public, that at a rally, I believe in the past 48 hours, I saw President Trump uh, insinuated, I guess is the fair way to say it, that I, he responded to a crowd that was chanting fire Fauci. And at first, President Trump did not say anything. <laughs> and then within a minute or two, he sort of looked at the cameras and the audience and he said, well, let's just wait till the election is over. So <laughs> that made a lot of not just me as a physician, but a lot of people on edge that wait a minute, you know, here's a guy that maybe didn't always agree with your political views and he's not president, right? So he doesn't necessarily have to consider the political implications of things. He is a scientist, a physician, and to not be true to his field or ask him to not be true to that is difficult. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's not that I don't understand why uh, President Trump and Fauci butt heads. I do. It's because they're looking at it from different perspectives and they have different goals. One person has political goals and the other person has scientific medical goals, which don't necessarily always line up. The problem is um, how much is writing, I guess, on today's election mm -hmm. is that when you hear President Trump say things like, you know, that he may fire Fauci or that, for example, you know, his priority, of course, is the economy and the American people. But that does not necessarily have to be on a different train track than where science is going. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I think we see this, I think, for for people who kind of I think kind of the micro of it. I think we see this a lot of times, um, I think, especially when we're younger. Let's say, you know, you're working nine to five. You got that first job, uh, you know, that summer job between high school and college or just out of school. And you got that first job and you maybe you're not feeling your best. And typically you'd, you'd stay home, but you're you're balancing health concerns with financial concerns. And I guess on a micro thing, I think of the president as being that that drive to go into work, get out there, get, you know, got to earn that money, got to get that economy going. And I think I, I see Fauci as kind of being that side of you that says, but I'm sick. I could spread this. I could ultimately um, cause greater damage to to my economic fortunes if I if I cause others to be sick or get myself in a worse predicament, make myself sicker that I, I do have to stay out for a longer period of time. I think there's kind of that that back and forth. The other area I've got to ask you about too, doctor, is is as a doctor, what is, I think we hear about the NIH and and, and and I think some of us have kind of a, a real loose understanding of whether it's the, the National Institute of Health or the CDC. What is kind of their role when it comes to, to medicine? As a doctor, what do you look to with it with the NIH or or the CDC? What is their kind of role with with kind of healthcare and the medical profession? That's a great question, and one that I think the public has become aware of because of the pandemic. But I will tell you as a physician that the NIH uh, conducts incredible research studies. I mean, they are the largest biomedical research agency in the world, in the world. So obviously have always been leaders in the world. And as a physician, for the most part, uh, you can hang your hat on something that the NIH backs or that the CDC backs. Now, I know there's been some questionable things, I guess, uh, during the pandemic, but I chalk that up to we're all discovering this at the same time. Yeah. But they're just a huge resource of 
scientific fact, again, without trying to be politically balanced. And that's difficult because, like you said, we all have bills to pay. We all have stomachs to feed. And that's our micro level, right? So Trump is not, President Trump is not wrong, right? We have to live. We have to stimulate the economy. We all have to eat. The flip side is, as a physician, as a scientist, as a researcher, you can say any preventable loss of life should be prevented, right? Mm -hmm. And you don't have to look at that from a left side or right side. And that's the beauty of science is it should not be interfered by, by politics or religion or any of these other factors, right? That's for us to decide on an individual level and for us, for the politicians to fight about. But ultimately, you have to respect science because we're all human. I mean, President Trump himself just fell prey to COVID-19, right? The man himself just fell prey to it. And the people that theoretically saved his life, you could say, are the physicians and the science and the medicine and the amazing technologies we have available is perhaps why he's alive today. But to balance that out by saying, well, I may fire this guy <laughs> is a little extreme. And, and I guess the second thing he came out and said last week was that physicians make more money every time they diagnose someone with COVID-19, oh. which I know has a lot of medical groups, every medical group I've heard of uh, and every physician up in arms saying that is just not a true statement. And yeah. so, again, I'm not commenting on the politics of it. I'm not commenting on the American healthcare system. What I am saying is I promise you, if I diagnose you with COVID-19, I see no extra money when I come home. So <laughs> I just wanted to clarify that. But more of a reason, no matter what side of the aisle that you're on, uh, to, to really realize that today's election is super important. And just to remember what the president has said in the past, what the president has said moving forward. And he has butt heads with Dr. I mean, about multiple things, right? Even the effectiveness of hydroxychloroquine. That's a great example. Uh, there was a famous press conference not too long ago where Dr. Fauci stated, you know, don't take this medication. There's no good evidence and data for it. And uh, President Trump said the opposite. And uh, later, even uh, the director, Redfield, right? Uh, President Trump called him confused and said he made a mistake about masks and vaccines and the timeliness of it. But uh really look into your, your heart and your mind and say, what is important to me this election? And that's going to be different for every single one of us. You know, uh, I'm not trying to minimize, like I said, bringing food on the table and, and working, but I'm also not, I can't minimize because I'm a physician uh, being able to save lives. So that I just want to say the election is very important, not just in a normal, okay, where do people, where does this politician stand in the healthcare, you know, ways, but uh, in, it's a big election for science. And by the way, as, as you mentioned, too, as, as I know the president made the comment about COVID and, and doctors getting more money for COVID diagnosis. Mm -hmm. We touched on that, actually. I think on one of our first or second podcasts, I would urge people to go back and listen to some of the previous shows. I know we t I actually got a bit into depth in that when that when that conversation, because the president was the wasn't the first person to say it. I've heard it. And we, of yeah. course, covered it as well on one of those first shows we did. So I would urge folks to go back, give it a listen. Of course, this is the Human Condition MD with Dr. Madeira Mera right here on I heart radio time now oh time for the fast five this week we are going to be talking political stuff where we're talking about stress relief 
tips when it comes to dealing with the election. Number one when it comes to relieving stress with the election is uh, channel your stress into something productive. And doctor, it felt like that last part of that conversation, you were doing just that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we just, I I try to take, uh, I guess stress is the word, any stresses I have or something Mm -hmm. that maybe tips me off. And I try to express that in the most knowledgeable way possible by saying, I'm going to spread knowledge, right? That's my way of channeling. But if you find yourself super stressed about today's election, and like we just said, maybe we won't have results for some days or weeks or months now, channel that into something productive, whether that's spreading knowledge, whether that's making donations, uh, volunteering, organizing support groups, any peaceful way that you can channel that energy into something productive will help you minimize your stress and not let it be completely bottled up Uh, inside of you, which is what we don't want. We don't want it to be bottled up. Really good stuff. Number two for ways to cope with stress on the Fast Five. Number two is monitor how much news you consume. And I will end this by saying, good luck. (laughs) (laughs) It's omnipresent. It's all around you. Even on the human condition, MD, you can't completely escape it. Although hopefully we're giving you a somewhat unbiased uh, opinion of of the news. But at the end of the day, the truth is, that the news is going to make you feel a certain way. So first of all, take inventory, take stock of that. It doesn't matter if you're a Fox or CNN, NBC, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you get your news, take stock of how it affects you. Does it raise your blood pressure? Does it anger you? Does it make you agitated and on edge and make you yell at people? Are you having symptoms of insomnia or anxiety? So first of all, taking stock of that and then realizing you actually have control over how much news you're exposed to. So if you need to unplug, stop reading, turn it off, stop listening to us, whatever it is, your sense of well-being and wellness is much more important than the fear of missing out. You know, I promise you that news is still going to be there one hour from now. It's still going to be there tomorrow morning. The world will go on. <laughs> so take stock of it and consume how much, uh, monitor how much you're consumed by it and then just turn it off. Really good. No, number three, set boundaries when it comes to political conversations and maintain those boundaries post-election. And Doc, I think a lot of people need to sometimes be reminded the difference between curiosity, friendly debate, and of course, I think the one that gets the most trouble is persuasion. Set those boundaries and of course, maintain mm-hmm. them. Right. We've talked over and over again about how this is such a polarizing time. And for both sides of the aisle, whether you're extremely conservative or just normal conservative, extremely liberal, middle liberal, you're going to feel a certain way. And it's difficult to not talk to your friends, family, coworkers about that. A recent study showed 78% of U.S. employees talk politics at work, but a third of those employees found it very stressful or frustrating for, for a variety of reasons. They didn't want to necessarily know how their coworker or boss felt, right? That that influences their take on things, or they were unable to express themselves, or like you said, unable to persuade someone. And so it's okay to say, I love you, but I don't like your politics and we can't discuss this anymore. It's okay to walk away from a political conversation that makes you feel edgy or uncomfortable. Uh, at the end of the day, politics, very similar to religion, is very personal to each of us, right? What has shaped us in our life in the past, moving forward, what our family dynamic is, what um, sector of work we do. It's all political. Everything is political. Even medicine, as we just discussed, has become political. And so it's natural that it comes up. 
But at the same time, uh, you need to draw some boundaries and be able to walk away for your own mental health. And one of the things, too, one of the interesting stats uh, that that I saw was um, after the 2016 election, Thanksgiving got shorter by 30 to 50 <laughs> minutes because of disagreements. You gotta, as you mentioned, Doc, just like religion, you gotta, you gotta hold back on those things. People said, you were right, people said this year, they, and I remember 2016, people said, I'm dreading Thanksgiving this year. And I think SNL did a great skit about it. They did like a black and white Adele song and you yeah. know, it was, it was very comical, but it's, it's the truth, right? I mean, even within a family, you're going to have disagreement. I know you've mentioned in the past, your brother, mm-hmm. and it's just better to not talk during this time and yes. still love each other at the end of it. And that's okay. <laughs> yeah, really, really good and really important stuff there. Five ways to cope with stress coming in at number four, be wary of social media triggers. And this one can be tough. You know, social media is so successful for many reasons. One of them is it makes us react impulsively. Like we just become that little kid again where we just want to react. You know, you just want to tweet something back. You want to retweet something. You want to share it. You want (laughs) to curse someone out. And I think it makes it very easy because you're protected. You're sitting behind a screen. Instead of reacting impulsively, think again, take a minute, take a short break, Uh, Go for a walk, do something productive, uh, get some fresh air. Don't just react impulsively. We we know that when interacting with people face to face, but I think we forget about that on social media, that one of the reasons it's so successful is it draws on that human characteristic of making us want to react like that. So if you're worried about negative feedback or you're worried about how the social media is affecting you, be, co- be cognizant of it and take a break from it. Really good perspective. And number five, when it comes to the five ways to cope with stress around the election, don't forget about self-care. And this is very important. I know a lot of people, a lot of people poo-poo the self-care. They just turn me off. They turn doctors off. I don't have time to meditate or go for a nature walk. But self-care comes in so many different ways. I had a favorite patient of mine Tell me yesterday that no matter what happens this election, he's already made a plan for himself. It's a post-election vacation, staycation. He's got some funny movies planned. He's going to hang out with his you know, loved ones. He's going to do all these fun activities because he doesn't want to be bogged down by the results of the election. If it doesn't go his way, he's going to do fun things that doesn't involve necessarily being a yogi on a mountaintop. So self-care can look different for different people. But essentially what that means is making sure that you're taking care of yourself, ideally getting enough sleep, exercise, eating a healthy diet, not drinking or smoking too much or at all. And just remembering no matter what the result is from today or from this election, even if you're disappointed, make plans for how you're going to handle the future in a nonviolent way. I know we talked about this last week. I live in the heart of DC where every street yesterday was boarded up. I mean, the main streets, like the shops, the offices. And that made me so sad. This is an election, you know, freedom of speech and press and all these amazing things coming together. But people are wary of what the social ramifications of this will be. And it's because we're not handling our stress well. We're not handling our mental health well. So if your plan is to go Uh, destroy some things depending on the results, I encourage you not to do that no matter what side of the aisle you're on.
Don't do that. Really good, good guidance and really good advice. And one of the things too, Doc, is, is people always say, you know, because I, I, I live far from work, and, and people say it's a forty-minute commute each way. And I say I love yeah. it because I going back to that self-care is for me. I always use that whether it's in the morning when I'm coming in, I'm kind of mentally preparing myself, kind of going through what I'm going to do today at work, and on my way home. And I think this is the important one. I work to close everything up mentally from work and mm-hmm. kind of make that divide of, okay, you can, you get this drive home to kind of clear your mind and get everything closed off. So when you get home, that stuff's behind you. And it's so important to take those times, whether it's something as simple as thinking while you're driving in the car or taking that time to meditate and, you know, sit in a dark space and just kind of clear your mind. It's so important to do. Yeah. See, and that's such a good example. So many of us can relate to is you may not think of that drive home or your commute on the subway, metro, bus. You may not think of that as me time or self-care time. Again, because that sounds like such a word to you that you don't like, but you're absolutely right. That moment to unplug, listen to books on tape, meditate, (laughs) close those chapters in your head from the day and just unplug before you get to the chaos of your family or home life. That that can be me time. Not all me time or self-care time has to look the same. Fantastic stuff, as always. This is The Human Condition with Dr. Madeira Mero right here on iHeartRadio. Don't forget to check out some of the previous shows. I think we've done we've done over 30 now, so there's a really, Woo-hoo. really good uh, <laughs> log of really fantastic shows to listen to. Don't forget as well to share with your friends. Let folks know about The Human Condition MD, a fantastic thing. I mentioned, of course, not only are we on iHeartRadio, but we're on iTunes and all that other great stuff. One of the other things, if you've got a smart speaker, you can actually tell your Alexa or Siri mm-hmm. simply... Uh, play Human Condition MD with Dr. Mara, and it will play it for you. I've been doing it in my car. It's a really cool feature uh, <laughs> that you can do again. This is The Human Condition with Dr. Madeira Mara right here on iHeartRadio. Doctor, it's always great hanging out with you. You have a fantastic week. Thank you so much. As always, stay happy, stay healthy. Good luck to myself, to all Americans today. Very big day. Minimize your conflict and maximize your happiness and your health. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. 